0: I want to welcome everybody here this evening. We're grateful that you've joined us. I don't know who gets the prize today for the longest travel here. I think Sean was working pretty hard to travel all the way into Arkansas and all the way back, but we had some others making a pretty long trip to Oklahoma and back. But no matter how far you come from or how close you are, we're glad that you're here, and we hope that you've been lifted up by the song service. I appreciate the prayers on my behalf uh, this evening, Sean, and my prayer for everybody here is that we all have a long opportunity to serve our God in this life and that much glory and honor is brought to him by all the things that we do collectively uh, in this kingdom that we're a part of. Going around this room this evening, I could ask you the question to describe yourself. If you had two words to describe yourself, what would they be? And I, I think that on the spot, that's kind of a tough question, even though we know what our traits are or are not, but I bet it would be very few of us that whenever I said to give me two words that describe you, who would answer back bold and confident. How many of you would describe yourself as that? You know, I know a lot of bold and confident people, people that I look at and go, they don't know no strangers, people who are willing to say what never needs to be said, people that I watch walk into difficult situations as if, if it's not a thing to them, they just dive right on in. A fire without a bucket of water. But I don't feel like that person a lot of times. But i got to be honest, reading a passage here in Proverbs, I think that we probably need to be a little bit more of that bold and confident person. Read with me, if you would, in the scriptures, a passage about being bold as lions, Proverbs 28, in verse 1, he said, the wicked flee when no man pursue it, but the righteous are bold as lions. I think the root of this idea is that whenever we are right with God, there's less things to be worried about in this life. We heard about the lazy man, he yells, there's a lion in the street when there isn't. There are things, there are things in this life that we can, we can have more confidence in. We don't have to be as timid because we are gods. But I got to looking about this, and at the bottom line, what I kept coming back to is, is that God's people are bold people, but I don't feel that way sometimes. Why don't I feel that way? And I have people ask me, how can I have more confidence whenever I talk to people about God? Because I don't feel like I have a lot of self-esteem. I don't feel like I, I, I think that I'm good enough to do it. And, you know, I got thinking and said, maybe we need to start right there. Because this idea of self-esteem and pride is one the world's been pushing for a long time. And I think that sometimes we look at our abilities and the kingdom through that lens of what can I do and what can't I do. From the time we're small, people say that we need more pride, that we need to build up our self image, that we need to build our self confidence, and that will make us more bold and confident people. And I'll tell you, I believe the opposite is true whenever it comes to serving God, because I don't believe God has ever given us a license to have pride on one end of the pendulum or the other, but we should lack focus on ourselves, and we should trust in Him. And I want to use just for a moment an example that we could maybe relate to in some ways and that's the example of Moses you remember whenever God's people were enslaved in bondage Moses given up that life of royalty a long time ago started his own life in the land of Midian and he's out chasing down sheep one night on the mountain he sees that bush that's burning but it's not consumed and he goes near and he hears a voice says take your shoes off the ground where you stand in this holy ground and he does it and the voice keeps talking to him and it finally tells him this Come, therefore, and I'll send you to Pharaoh that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of bondage. And Moses said, You got it, man. I'm on it. You got your man. No, we know that isn't true. Then Moses didn't just jump up and say, I can do this. No sweat. I feel that way about some things, you know. Maybe that, hey, this isn't a problem at all, and We can do this. But you think about this. He said, I want you to go to the mightiest army in the world right now, and I want you to say, Let your slaves go. Now he balked at this. You want to know why? He was focused on himself. Think about all the things he said, Lord, who am I? I'm nobody. Well, he had been somebody, maybe in some ways with political powers as this adopted grandchild of Pharaoh, but he wasn't that anymore. He had been a fugitive and God said, ah, that guy's dead. That guy's dead. But he goes, I'm nobody. Think about all the people who stand before kings. All the people with great knowledge and great abilities and great influence and great power, great emissaries and other kings and princes. And he said, I have none of that influence. And then he said, he said Lord, look, they're not going to believe me. I'm going to tell, tell them I talked to a burning bush and that God, the God, not many of the gods, but the God spoke to me out of a burning bush. And they're going to say, yeah, bush that burnt and it wasn't burnt up. Good job, buddy. I believe you. We'll let them all go based on that idea. He said, they're not going to believe me. I'm not persuasive enough. And then he went on, he said, look, they, they won't believe me at all. I don't have any special powers or abilities. And he said, I'm not eloquent enough. And boy, I feel that one a lot of times whenever I'm spouting off words that, that aren't even words and things like that. But I'm not eloquent enough. I can't come up with a good enough argument. I can't, I can't say the right thing to make it happen. And then at the end of all of this, he, he still doesn't go, but he says, isn't there somebody better than me? Why? because Moses looked at himself and he said I am not capable and I gotta say he's right he's not wrong he didn't have enough power he didn't have enough influence he didn't have all the right words he couldn't do this on his own but what I do know is that God never intended to send Moses in there to be able to do this job without helping him And as he says all these things where he was deficient, God continues to give an answer. It doesn't matter who you are. It's about me. You tell them the I am sent you. You're not coming in the name of any other person. You're coming in the I am. All that ever was, all that ever will be, all that ever created, that's who sent you. Well, they're not going to believe me. I talked to a bush and he says, it doesn't matter. I'll give you signs. You remember that's where he reached his hand into his shirt. God said, reach in there, pull it back out. It was leprous. Can't imagine that. Can you imagine that? A rotten, filthy flesh hand, a death sentence, and then he says, stick it back in there, and he does. You think he's sold right there. All right, we got the power. Nope, ain't got the words. He said, don't worry, I'll, I'll take care of that too. All of these areas that you look at yourself and know that you can't do this, I'll take care of it. I'll be honest with you, brothers and sisters, if you look at yourself and the task that we've been given to go you therefore, into all the world and, and make disciples of them and to preach the gospel, baptize them in the Father and Son and Holy Ghost, teach them all things that I command you, and don't be afraid because I'll be with you till the end of the age. You look at yourself and go, "How do I go into this world and I convert all these people?" I sit back and I go, "I can't do this." And that's what He was doing. But God said, "Don't worry. You're the person for the job. And I'll tell you this evening, brothers and sisters, you're the person from the job. You may not feel like you have all the right words, maybe not all the best knowledge, maybe not all the greatest abilities or the way with people or anything like that, but you're the person for the job. And the reason that you can be bold and confident is because God will equip you for this great task. 2 Corinthians chapter three verse 5 through7, he told the Corinthians, "It's not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, but uh, uh, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not a letter or, but of the spirit. The letter kills, and the Spirit gives gives life. He said, He's made us able ministers in the New Testament. Our sufficiency is a God. A lot of times, I use that word sufficient to say that I'm okay at something. I'm okay. Are you a Are you a master carpenter? Nah, I'm okay. I need a good finish guy to come in behind me. So what? I need him. I'm okay. It's sufficient. By the time I get done, somebody else, a professional, will fix this. Is that what he's talking about for you and I in the ministry of the kingdom of God? Absolutely not. He's saying where you are not capable, I will make you sufficient in the sense that you will be able, well-equipped. You know what? We can be confident and bold ambassadors for the gospel of Christ going into a world that has a stranglehold, that has people enslaved, and they don't even know it, and you can make a difference because God will make you sufficient. Whenever you don't feel like you're strong enough, Christ can make you strong. Philippians 4.13, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We hear this all the time at basketball games and football games. Little kids get up in the circle and they say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I can run faster and, and jump higher, and I can score more touchdowns. And, and don't get me wrong. Anytime we're mentioning the scripture in any any place, maybe that's good. But I don't think God cares about our football games. I like football. But he don't care about our ball games. And it's not about strengthening us to make sure that we make it to the NFL or the NBA or the WNBA or anything like that. You know what? He is going to strengthen us so that whenever life is difficult and whenever situations are tense or they're trying or they're worrisome, that we can make it through, that we won't emotionally fold under the pressures. He'll strengthen us. You know, whenever Jesus was at his toughest moments in this world the times where he was almost calling it quits in in the sense that he saw how tough his task was he was he was praying to God strengthen me be with me Lord if it's your will let this cut past from me if not let your will be done and he was praying over and over you think God didn't strengthen him I think he did and I think he'll do that for us whether it's through that prayer or through its time with one another encouragement we'll talk about that in a little bit. We can be bold because Christ will strengthen us. We've got answers in the Scriptures. Second Peter one three, he said, "According as the divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who has called us to glory and virtue." You're going to face tough situations in life sometimes. Well, there are situations. There are situations I run across sometimes in, in the kingdom where people are struggling with sin that it absolutely just knocks the wind out of you. It devastates you some of the things that people get entangled in. And some of these situations aren't easily solved. Many of them aren't easily solved. But I believe that we can. I, I was watching TV. Sorry, I was watching TV. And, uh, and this was a while ago, not that I haven't watched it recently. But I was watching TV a while ago, and I saw a public service announcement. And two ladies are walking through the park together, middle-aged women. And they're obviously friends, and they're having a good time, and they're strolling. And, and then all of a sudden, it gets a little bit quieter, and one of their demeanor gets a little more serious, and they stop. And she looks to her friend and she said, I think my daughter's experimenting with drugs. And then there's this long, awkward pause. And then finally the friend says, I'm sure it's just a phase. And pats her on the back. Fades to black and some governmental agency says, your friends don't know how to help you with your problems that we do. And I'm not here to to, debate. to argue the the demerits or the abilities of the government to help you with problems and things like that. But I'll just tell you, there's a lot of people who don't have answers in this life. And you're not one of them. And it's not because you're the wisest person or the most knowledgeable person or you have all these experiences in life that you go, oh, I'll tell you how you handle that because I've been through it. It's because we have a God who's given us everything that we need. Every tip, every instruction, every tool is at our fingertips in the Holy Scripture. Instruction for life and godliness. And then whenever we face these tough situations, you may not have an answer right away. Sometimes you have to say, I don't know how to help this right now, but we can find out together. You know, I found there's a lot of people who respect that a lot more than someone just bailing off in, giving an opinion on something they know nothing about. And I've been there before, but we can find out we have all these resources around us, and I'm talking about the scriptures. We have the resources of people who have made the mistakes and who have been rejuvenated and 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 reutilized by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we got the people who've walked through the fire. We've got the people who have who have helped others through it. We got the other people who've addicted themselves to the scriptures. If you want answers on how to fix things in life, the scriptures there. We have all the tools that we need. We can be bold. We can be confident as we reach out to a lost and enslaved world. But there are things that get in our way. I want you to ask yourself that this evening. What is it that is hindering you from being bold as a lion for God? Is it your commitment to the gospel? I think that's one of the things that hinders us at times. We can look at the scriptures whenever God gives somebody a mission unless they're all the way in on that mission They may not be able to fulfill that mission You think about what was given to Peter to do in Luke chapter 22 before Jesus was was offered up to be uh, Crucified he looked at Simon and he said Simon Peter Simon Simon behold Satan is desired to have you He wants to sift you like wheat But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not and when thou art converted what do you mean when you're converted He's been walking through Jesus for three years he's the most brash of all of he's the one who said lord to whom shall we go you have the words alive he's the one who said you are the christ the son of the living god and god had revealed it to him what do you mean peter wasn't converted i guess he wasn't all in yet maybe he didn't understand he said when thou art converted strengthen thy brethren i think peter was committed to this task he makes a bold statement to hear he says he said to him this is peter answering he said lord i'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death and Jesus answered and said, I tell you, Peter, the cock won't crow, uh, the cock shall not crow this day before you'll thrice deny that thou knowest me. We give Peter a hard time, and we look at the things that happened shortly thereafter, and it seems that Peter was not completely persuaded and ready to go to prison or to die. But on closer examination, I think he probably was. I think he probably was ready. But I think he didn't understand what his mission was completely. Because you remember when they're in the garden and Jesus has to keep asking, won't you stay awake with me and pray during this time of need? And he had to keep coming back and waking up that finally Jesus saw the one that would betray him coming through the garden. He said, it's time. And whenever Judas with all of those priests in the service walked up to him, he comes up and he says, hail master. And he kissed him on the cheek, the symbol to take him and they laid hands on him. And Peter didn't turn tail and run yet, did he? You remember what Peter did? Out comes the sword. That's my sword. Out comes the sword. And the guy who's got hands on Jesus, he cuts his ear off. I don't think he was trying to just go for a flesh wound there, folks. I think he was trying to kill the man. I may be wrong. That's just my assumption. But he pulls a sword out. He doesn't turn, tail, and run. He cuts the ear off. He is ready to go to prison or to be killed if it meant a physical fight with the sword. But then all of his strength and his his bravado leaves him whenever Jesus says, Put that sword up. And he picks up that ear and he sticks it back on that man's head. And that's when Peter goes, I don't get it. And he turns and he leaves. Runs away, falls at a distance, denies a couple more times. Goes away and weeps bitterly whenever he realizes he's denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. Three days pass after the death of Jesus He's risen in the morning. The women try to come and tell the disciples that. But even Peter doesn't believe. He goes and he looks in the sepulcher and he sees the fold of grave clothes and he walks away marveling even though Jesus said, I will rise on the third day to him. And Peter, instead of saying, I'll stick around and wait for Jesus, said, I'm going to go fishing. And some of the other disciples went with him. And whenever they're out there fishing, they're not catching anything. And finally, they see a man on the shore, tells them to dip in on the other side of the boat. They bring up an incredible amount of fish. And immediately, Peter knows it's Jesus. He is or isn't. He's back. And he doesn't wait to get the boat ashore. He jumps in the water. He swims ashore. And can you imagine it? Jesus made them a meal. It said that Jesus had them a fire prepared and fish cooking over it. And then they proceeded to have the world's most awkward meal. Have you ever had one of those? I don't know if it was more awkward than that, because it said they all sitting there not saying anything, and they durst not ask him, is it you, knowing it was the Lord. But there they sat awkwardly over a meal that Jesus had cooked, resurrected, and Jesus starts asking him this, Simon, do you love me more than these? More than these what? These fish that he'd gone back laboring for instead of the kingdom. He said, do you love me more than these fish? And Peter said, oh yeah. Of course I love you more than these sheep, and he said or more than these fish, and he said, then why don't you feed my lambs? And then he asked him again, don't you love me more than these fish? And he said, of course I do. Then why don't you feed my sheep? And he asked him a third time, don't you love me more than these? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love thee. Because he's grieved that he's got to ask him over and over. He said, feed my sheep. You know what he's telling him? Strengthen your brethren. Strengthen your brethren. Strengthen your brethren. And it was then that he committed himself. He wasn't committed to the mission yet. He didn't understand what it meant strengthening the bread. It didn't mean standing there in his physical might, but it meant in the word of God and with the mission of the spirit of the kingdom in his heart, keep them strong. Build them in faith. Keep them moving forward. Be bold even whenever I'm gone. But he got it now and he committed to a mission and several short days later whenever Jesus ascended and they stood before thousands of Jews out of every nation Peter finally stood up and he said, I'm with the Christ. We're before he said i'm not with him i know not the man he said i knew him i i am here to tell you i was with him and that you put him to death and he's now risen and sitting on the right hand of god and you need to repent and be baptized in the name of jesus christ for the mission of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy ghost he was ready now And I'll tell you, these men who had walked away, men like Peter who weren't quite committed to the mission, they gave everything that they had to the cause, including their life. There finally came a time because they were so committed to the saving of souls of mankind, they would not keep their mouth shut. They could not keep their mouth shut. They had to be bold. The love of God compelled them. And I wonder how committed are you and I to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to that mission? How how much do you believe in hell? Everybody believes in hell that's religious, right? We say, well, there's some religions out there that don't believe in hell. Okay, what about us? How much do I believe in hell? Well, Jesus talked about it. I believe there's a heaven and there's a hell. No, no, how how much do you believe that hell is this very real place and it's very terrible? You know, that was a motivation for people like Peter and Paul. Understanding just how horrible hell would be, not just how great heaven could be, but how horrible hell would be, they committed themselves to the mission of converting people to Christ. Second Corinthians five ten through eleven, he says, "For we must all appear the judgment seat of, before the judgment seat of Christ, and that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he, that which he had done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We don't ask men. We don't just." give people a flyer and walk away. We don't say if you want to know. He said, because we know the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I believe he's talking about being bold. I believe he's talking about knowing that people were going to die and it's going to be awful. I don't, I don't know what it's going to be like. He, 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 he relates it with so many word terminologies, word pictures. The worm dies not. A place where, that smells acrid of smoke. A, a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's darkness. There is no light. God is not there. That it is it, eternal destruction, eternal damnation. All these different terms. And Jesus led the charge on teaching on that place. And I know that place exists. And you know that place exists. But how often do we think the people I love and I care about, they will go there if I don't tell them? My little boy, my little girl who I love so much and I'm so proud of, if I don't warn them, they'll go there. And one of the happiest days of my life is my daughter obeying the gospel just a couple years ago. We're pretty new in this parenting thing. We're only about 12 years in at this point. We, got still, we still got some scary years ahead in my opinion because I don't know the future, but I, I, I'm persuaded at this point. I'm persuaded at this point that that I'm so thankful that they've obeyed the gospel. What about in in five years? What about in eight years? What about in ten years? When they, if, if, and I hope not if they walk away from God, what will I do? I don't know. But what I do know is I'm scared of the terrible fate. Sometimes I'm not scared enough for my neighbors. Sometimes I'm not scared about, about how bad hell will be to walk across my street and knock on their door and to ask them consistently for a Bible study or to invite them to a gospel meeting. Sometimes I'm not scared enough for my, for my kinfolks to make waves at the dinner table at Thanksgiving because we don't want to throw off family tradition, and so what do we do? Religion and politics becomes taboo, right? That's a pretty easy cliche. We're so scared of rocking the boat on family tradition that we forget how terrible hell will be for our loved ones if we don't warn them. He said, because we know the terror of the Lord, we're committed to this cause, to speak boldly. Well, you think it was because uh, Paul is a bold fella? He seems like a pretty bold fella to me. I mean, he wrote this letter to the Ephesians and the Second Corinthians Corinthians and 1 Corinthians. He said a lot of things to those Corinthians now. Things that we would go, oh, you can't say that to people, Ian. He said them. Why? You know what? He was worried about their soul, whether they'd never obey the gospel before they had. He was worried about their soul. And this man that we see is naturally bold. Look at his prayer to the Ephesians is what he asked for. He said, brethren, I want you to pray this for me. In Ephesians chapter six, he says for me, please pray that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly that I may make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Ought to speak, in my opinion, means there's an expectation. And I believe this expectation is, is not just for Paul and Peter, the ones commanding to feed the sheep and strengthen the brethren, not just to the one given on the road to Damascus to stop hurting his people, but to go to the Gentiles, but it's something that's given to you and me. That there is a way that we ought to speak, and he says it's boldly. I don't know, you know what, maybe we don't spend enough time asking one another to pray for us. Say, pray for me that I'll say the things that I need to say to my kinfolk. Pray for me to say the things that I need to say to my brother who's wandered away from the fold. Pray for me to say the things that I need to say to my boss who has control of my career's destiny. How often do you ask for prayers for that? This fellow's naturally bold, I would say, but he said it's not enough Please pray for me. Brothers and sisters, please pray for one another. And I beg you to pray for, pray for me. Pray for one another. That we will be bold as we ought to be bold. That we will make known the mysteries of the gospel. Because I believe it's mysterious to a lot of people. There's a lot of people walking around this world that think they're okay. Good religious people, brothers and sisters. And they don't know the gospel. It's still a mystery to them. And they need you to open up and make it known to them. The righteous are bold as lions. Are you? Commit yourself to the cause of the gospel and to people's salvation. Maybe we need to be more committed to things like morality than we are. In 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15, he says, if I tarry long, again, this is Paul talking to Timothy, he said, if I spend a long time writing this letter, and I'm long-winded, he said it's so that you mayest know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. And as he displays, he I spent a lot of time talking to you because you need to understand that you're the standard for everybody else out there in the world. Not because you're perfect and wonderful, but because God has expectations for his church and the way that they ought to behave so that it delivers this beacon of light to the world on how they ought to look. That's all well and good. But I'll tell you, sometimes we pacify ourselves as people who are a little bit more timid and we say, as long as I live a good life and I keep my head down and I don't get too loud, that's good enough. There's a saying, I think it's a well-intentioned saying, ain't trying to pick on nobody, I like it in ways, and it's, you may be the only Bible that the world ever reads. I understand, what he's saying is, some people ain't gonna pick up a Bible, but maybe they'll look at the way that you're living and go, why do you do that? And I think that's good, that's obviously, we ought to be this city set on a hill, a light that's not put under a bushel, so people can see our works and glorify the Father, which is in heaven, that's great, live a good example in life, but is it enough for you and I to walk quietly through life with our head down and never say a word? I don't know if it is. Let's go back to Proverbs. Not the same verse we've been reading, but another one very, very close. He says in Proverbs 28 and four, they that forsake the law praise the wicked. I've seen a lot of that lately, haven't you? You've probably seen it all your life. Why is it that whenever something is so apparently sinful and maybe even against nature itself that people speak up and they go, yes, yes, this is great, this is awesome, these people are wonderful and they deserve awards and and it's so courageous to live so sinfully. The world's doing that today, aren't they? The wicked will praise wickedness. You know why? Because the more wickedness they got around them, the less they got to think about how wicked they are, and they don't have to feel bad about their sins and think about the real heavy things in life, eternity. And so they're going to be loud. Now, I'll be honest, I get tired of how loud they are, but there ain't no stopping that. Now, what I want to stop and take a moment is, a moment to say is this. Whenever we're saying bold and confident today, what I do not mean is that we are arrogant What I do not mean is that we are dogmatic. What I do not mean is that we are ones who can shout the other side down. In fact, we're not to be rude. As Christians, as people of God, we're never given the license to speak without grace or having our speech seasoned with salt. Always is what he says. So what do we mean when when we say bold and confident? We mean saying the things that need to be said in the way that they need to be said when they need to be said. Sometimes it's hard to find the love and when we say it. Sometimes a little bit scary to t- speak up and talk about morality, but we got to do it. He said the, the wicked folks, they're going to do exactly what you think they're going to do. They're going to rise up. They're going to be loud. They're going to praise the wicked, but he says such as contend or such as keep the law, contend with them. Now that should be talking about us, right? People who who keep the law. We want to be law keepers. Doesn't mean that we're sinless, but we're people who are trying to keep God's law. And he says, those are the ones they contend with them. That means we're in a battle with them, right? Then we're not the ones who walk quietly into the night. I, you know, my first my first civics class in college, what little I went, I remember. But my first civics class, I remember sitting in the front, and I was excited because I thought, man, everybody's saying that college, that's a place where you're all grown up and it's a mixture of ideas. Everybody's got a voice and gets to talk and, and we can have a really good discussion on all these things. So I get there and country bumpkin sitting on the front, front seat, excited for the day. It does not take very long sitting in those classrooms to realize that godly opinions are not welcome. And I'll confess to you, I spent the remainder of that school year after a couple of weeks just sitting at the back of the class. And I walked in I kept my mouth shut, turned in my papers on time, and I got out of there. We can't walk through life that way. We can't be the Church of Christ, and, and whenever somebody asks us about why we do the things that we do, that we bow our head and act like we're ashamed. And I've been there. I got people. You know, sometimes you guys, are those people who don't believe in music, right? Oh, oh, yeah, we don't, we don't have instruments. Or you're those people. You're those water dogs. You believe in in water salvation. Oh, yeah, we believe in baptism. Folks, we believe in music. I believe that the melody that we make in our heart, that comes forth out of our lips, that's that sacrifice God's asking for. Sit a bow in our heads when people make these accusations about what we do because God has commanded, and acting as if we're ashamed of it. Throw a smile on your face and tell them, "No, we love music. You ought to come hear the singing. Come join us. Come listen to the singing. Come listen to Ian Jones stand up there and sing out like he's an Irish tenor. Well, he's pretty Irish, and you're a tenor, I know." Come listen to the congregation. They're Listen to the little kids throwing their heart into it. And everybody's invested. Lee ain't air. He can't sing the right words of the song. But he's singing too. You know, we ain't just the people who got a bunch of amateurs standing in the pulpit. You know what? We have this awesome system that was started 2,000 years ago in the new testament church were all the men who were capable and desired to edify and to give their doctrine to give their interpretation they put the work in during the week and and they give us a lesson and you don't have to leete or preach every time you do this week sorry yeah i believe in baptism because I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God to salvation, to the Jew first, to the Greek, to every person. Because I want to see people saved. And I can't see another way to see it in this life. Why do, you live, why do you treat your wife the way you do? Why do you treat your husband the way you do? Why won't you join in in all the ball and chain jokes? Why won't you laugh at the dirty jokes? Why won't you go out drinking and carousing? Why won't you be like the world? Why? Because I'm God's. And because he saved me. And because he's great. Speak up you have something to offer there's a lot of broken homes and broken lives and lost people out there they're waiting for you to live an example and be willing to stand behind it with the scriptures and say my God has yielded the peaceable fruits of righteousness in my life and I'm grateful to him stand up be bold be bold as lions because people are out there depending on you and you have a lot to offer because God has offered a lot to you. I guess I could have ended this all early, and we may have been better off by just saying the thing that hinders me most from being bold is that sometimes I'm just afraid of people. Is there really anything else out there that we're afraid of? Spiders, maybe. But we're afraid of people, and that's always been a problem. John 7 and 13, there was a lot of people during that time that saw all the incredible things that Jesus did, folks, witnessed it with their own eyes, heard it with their own ears, and because they were afraid of others, no man spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. They were afraid of people. And at the end of the day, that's why I'm scared. Because Sometimes people scare me. Sometimes it's the person who has never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes it's my brother who I'm scared to death to go tell him whenever he's wrong. Or when I've been wrong. Or when we've been wrong. We can't be scared. Spent a lot of time a couple years ago. We, leadership conference. Great leadership conference. Enjoyed it thoroughly. I Hadn't got to go in a while but we were talking a lot at that deal about counseling. And we were talking about legal ethics in counseling, and we were talking about moral ethics in counseling. And we had a lot of conversations about how do we as Christian helpers and studiers and counselors make sure that we abide by laws and honor our government statutes but also make sure we're also honoring God's laws. And One of the conversations at the time, somebody had lost a a bakery pretty recently because of the things that they were teaching on. That sparked a lot of conversation. You know what I mean? Sometimes it don't take a whole lot of teaching a little bit of truth and standing on Christian principles for the world to get upset and try to take everything that you have. And, and I worry about that a little bit. And I talk with people and we talked about how do we avoid this and how do we stay safe. And, and we, were, we were trying to find all of these different methods to make sure that we don't get arrested. Which I think is okay, by the way, just so you know. But I want you to know what happened whenever Paul got arrested. Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 12, he said, I want you to understand, brethren, that the things which happened, he's talking about his arrest, have fallen out rather of the furtherance of the gospel so that my bonds in Christ are to manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord got super scared, holed off in their houses and never said anything about Jesus ever again. Because it was awful because I got arrested. That's how we act. What if, what if we say the wrong thing in the wrong way from the pulpit and somebody goes off and they, they go after my livelihood and they go after my life and they throw me in prison? It might be an awful thing in some ways. I'm not saying prison's going to be a, a cakewalk. And I'm not sitting here saying that we need to go out and get ourselves arrested by being overly brash. Be, I mean, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. But let's just say it happens. Let's just say that Brother Nathan speaks boldly as he ought to speak. And they walk into this building and they throw him in shackles and they try to shut him up from preaching the gospel. What will you do? Are you going to storm the castle? That's not what we're about. You're going to hole up in your house, devise a new way to try to teach the gospel? Can't do it that way. End up like Nathan. You know what I think we'll do? I think if we really believe in the mission of the gospel and care about the souls of mankind, we'll do exactly what happened here. And whenever we see our brother in bonds and that he is in there and he's still preaching... They ain't shut him up. They put him in prison. They didn't shut him up. He's still preaching the word. He's standing before, he's standing before the Felixes. And he's standing before the Herods. And he's standing before these Roman magistrates. And he's still going. And you know what? People go, he's still going. I can too. And he said, it's been even better. It's great. Don't worry about it. Because people are even more confident. You know what? Maybe we, we need to spend less time worrying about what's going to happen and spend a lot more time praying about why we're just not doing, why we're not taking any risk at all. Because I guarantee you this, if Brother Nathan gets arrested, Brother Monty gets arrested, Brother Caleb gets arrested, any one of these sisters in here for teaching the truth, the rest of you will rise up, and you will meet the mission of the Lord, and you will be more confident. We're bold as lines. We need to speak. They're much more bold to speak without fear. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. We do this all the time. We talk about this verse all the time. And you're so tired of it because he's just going to tell me to be at the assembly again. No, I'm not. But yes, I am. Hebrews ten twenty-four says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as they to see today the approaching. Should we not be missing the assemblies? No, we shouldn't. But it's not just about church. I I'd talked about the assembly a little bit the other day. And one of the things I forgot to mention, I was talking too long anyways, is that I, don't, I think we miss the point. I hear some people say, well, I know we got to be there on the first day of the week. But I don't say I got to be there twice. It don't say I got to be there another day uh, during the week for another worship service. And I say, you're missing the point. It's not about that. I got to be anywhere. He's saying just be there for each other. And I'll tell you, this world has us going every which direction through our week. And we come together for a couple of minutes on Sunday. Maybe a couple of times for a couple of minutes on Sunday. Maybe, a couple of, maybe another time during the week for another hour, hour and a half or so. Depends on if Ian's preaching or something like that. And then we just go spend all of our time apart. And we think we're going to be bold. We think that we're going to preach as we ought to preach. We think that we're going to have confidence to go out there and face the world. No, we're all alone. We're in the middle of the wolf pack. And we forget we're lions. It's time to spend a little more time with the pride. It's time to spend a little bit more time with other lions. It's time that we get inside of one another's homes and in one another's lives. And whenever you face hardship in your life and you're having a hard time speaking up to your loved ones, that you can just look across the room at your loved one that week and say, this week, pray for this situation with me. Or we call and we say, this week, will you make this visit with me? And we look to one of them and say, I am here for you. You don't have to be here alone. I will provoke you whenever someone says, I'm done. I'm finished. I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of the slamming doors. I'm tired of uh, the broken relationships. I'm tired of people just not listening. That someone will look you in your eyes and say, you come here. And they give you a hug and they say, you can't quit. You can't quit. And they will give you the strength. And then we will refresh you enough to so, so you can just go out there and you can be bold for a little bit longer. Maybe it's only for a couple more days that you get that boldness and confidence. But you go right back to your brother, your sister, and you get built up and you go do it again. Are you making time for one another? Maybe that's why we're not as bold as we ought to be. Commit to strengthening each other. Commit to it. We forget that he's not given us a spirit of fear. And I, and I joke sometimes about the things that I'm afraid of. I'm, I don't like spiders. I'm being serious about that. If I can see them across the room, I go up there. I'll, I'll kill them with my finger and feel real good about myself. But if one falls on me when I'm lo- looking, I'm going to scream like a little sissy. You know, I'm going to do that. I'm afraid of them. I don't like flying with turbulence or things like that. Tur- I, don't, I, I think if you're rational, that should scare you a little bit. Small tin can, long ways above the earth. Man, Grand Canyon, a couple years ago, me and, me and Clint, and I think Mike Hall, who's, he ain't scared of nothing. I don't know what he's scared of. Clint's sitting there acting like nothing's happened. Mike's asleep, because he can sleep anywhere. And I'm sitting there looking down the Grand Canyon going, great, I'm already way up in the air. And then there's an even greater hole in the earth. It's going to be a farther fall. More time to think about it. <laughs> and the wings are just flapping not given a spirit of fear, not given a spirit of fear. <laughs> I forget that he's not given me that spirit though. Whenever people's hearts and souls and their eternities on the line, I forget the spirit that he's really put into me as the one who's redeemed. And he said, I want you to remember that the spirit I have put into you is not one of fearfulness and timidity, but it's the spirit of power. And I'll tell you why it's powerful because the message of the gospel is powerful. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It can reach into the heart of the most hardened criminal. It can reach into the heart of the most jaded person. It can reach to the heart of the most, most low individual in life. And it can change the world like that. I, don't, I get scared sometimes. I get scared sometimes knowing what other people believe or what they've been going through. And I forget I've got a powerful message And so do you. You can be bold because you come in the power of the Lord, not in the weakness of man. You can be bold as lions, brothers and sisters, because he hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but of love. And I forget what love really looks like. I hear all kinds of things about what people in the world think that love is today. Love is, is that you will not try to change me. If you really love me, you won't keep badgering me about my soul. If you really love me, you won't ask me to follow Jesus. If you love me, you'll just shut up about it all. Don't make me think about it. Is that love? No. I, I, Proverbs, he says that a, a father who won't discipline his child hates his son. Got a mother-in-law. She's a pretty sweet lady. Dave's pretty cool, too. But if a tornado watch is issued in Madison County, Arkansas, you know who's going to call no matter what time of day it is, no matter what time of night it is? Tanya Minson. Because she loves us, even me and she don't care. She don't care that we probably have apps, and that we've, or I at least have got it out. I'm, that's another thing I'm scared of. Tornadoes, didn't grow up with them. So I've got it out. If it starts raining, I'm immediately looking going, you think that's, you think that's going to be a wall cloud? You think that's, I don't know, Ellen's going, that's in Kansas, man, not our Kansas. She don't care if we may have already looked at it. or We may know She's going to call and warn us. Who isn't going to yell out at a a person crossing the street when they see the bus coming and say, look out? Who isn't going to run across to their, their neighbors whenever there's a fire in the house and say, get out of there. Your house is on fire. We'll do all that thing because our body's pretty important. But what about the soul? Love says, I warn you, no matter the cost. Paul said, he said, I will gladly, I will gladly spend and be spent for you though the more that I love you, the less that you'll love me. And I'll tell you, that's what this is all about, this being bold, is that whenever people think that we're not being loving because we can't stop talking about their soul and their eternity, that what we're saying is, no, I love you that much. I love you that much that even though you don't want me to tell you about the important things, that I'm going to bring it up when I get the chance. I'm going to stick my foot in the door. I may put my foot in my mouth in your opinion, but I'm going to love you even if it means you hating me in the long run. And thank goodness for the people who were that for us. Thank goodness for the people who are willing to reach into my life, into my life when I was floundering around and they're willing to tell me the things that I need to hear. Thank goodness for the men when I was a youngly married man who would look over at me in the way that I talked or acted to my wife and say, son, let me tell you about loving your wife. Thank goodness for the people who stood in pulpits and they preached the gospel over and over and over. So someday it finally sunk into my, into my thick skull. And thank goodness for you if you will love people in your life enough to be bold enough to never stop teaching them. You know, whenever we, whenever we forget that we should be bold as lions and we're afraid, we forget to have a sound mind. And I do this in a lot of, in a lot of different ways, but I'll tell you one of the ways I do it is I think things to death. And that may not seem possible to you because I'm not that smart, but I do. In my way, I think them to death. And I start planning. If I know that a tough conversation is coming up or tough study the night before, what I do, I pray about it, yeah, and then I leave it with God. Uh, No, I pray about it, and then I say I leave it with God, and then I go worry about it some more. And then I start planning. I go, you know what? This is the topic. Here's the scriptures that go with it, and here's how I'm gonna use this verse, and it's gonna be good. Wait, wait a minute. No, it's not. Because if I say this, maybe they'll say this. And then if I answer them this, maybe they'll say that. Well, then if they say this, maybe I'll say this. But what if they get mad if I say this? And then what if this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and it spins into this whole vortex of awful, and the church explodes? That's the way I feel sometimes. I just feel crazy. And then I get in the moment, and the feet, the duck feet, you know, they're going on the inside, and sometimes people are like, oh, you're really calm about that. I'm like, oh, I was about to hyperventilate. (laughs) And, and it's not near as bad. It's not near as bad a lot of times. I'll tell you, sometimes it is that bad. Sometimes it goes worse than I could have ever dreamed. But having a sound mind, weighing your words, not fearing all the what ifs, just being able to get to that conversation and being a watchman, you've given them a chance. And regardless of what they do after that, calm down. No matter what happens, you've loved them. And you've come with truth. Brothers and sisters, we're not mice. We're not even mere men. Because we are gods, we are lions. And we ought to be bold, proclaiming his truths boldly, because he has a bold message, a saving message. He has a powerful message. And and no matter whatever else in life we do not have or do have, whatever abilities you do or you do not have, God can make you sufficient. He can make you capable. He will strengthen you. He will arm you. And you can be bold because you can trust the Lord to always be with you. Psalms fifty-six eleven through 12, he says, I have put my trust in God. Or in God I've put my trust. I won't be afraid of what men will do to me. Your vows are upon me, O God. I'll render praises unto thee. What do you mean your vows are upon me? I've made promises to you. And I won't be quiet. I won't stop doing what I ought to do because I trust you. And maybe if I'm not as bold as I ought to be, it's because I need to renew my trust in God. He's going to be with you always, even to the age. He said the same thing to Jeremiah. He said the same thing to us through Jesus in Matthew chapter 28. And I believe he still means it today. Whether it's through prayer and talking with him, whether it's through his word, or whether it's all these incredible brothers and sisters in here who've got your back, he'll be with you. You can trust him. You can be bold because you can put your trust in God. You can be bold because no matter what happens in this life, it'll be worth it. Philippians 1, 19 through 21 says, I know that all this will turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I'll be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I don't know. We look at Paul and go, for me to live is Christ... It means while I'm here, while I'm here, and while I'm his, I don't really have a choice. I don't really have a choice to be anything but bold. I think that's what that means. I don't have any other choice but to speak boldly, always, so that Christ will magnify in my body. Christ is watching you. He's listening to you. Have you taken the opportunities? Have you shrunk away from it? Has fear overcome you and prevented you from, from magnifying and, and pouring him out and giving people opportunity? And Paul, he said, Look, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, through your prayers, pray for one another. Through your expectation, through my expectation, I'm going to keep being bold because Christ must be magnified for me to live as Christ. And what if? What if the worst thing happens? What's the worst thing man can do to us? I don't really want to die. There's a lot of horrible ways I could think about dying that man has killed one another in the days past, even for religious reasons. I don't want to be a Roman candle. I don't think there's a lot of possibility at that at this point. I don't want to take a bullet in the middle of a church service. You know what? I, I don't want it to be a sucker punch. I, I don't care what way it is. I don't care if it's a slow death by my reputation by somebody who is offended by me preaching the truth. No matter what happens in this life. If you're bold and you glorify him here, to die is only gain. That means everything's going to be worth it all. This evening, think it to yourself. Are you bold? Are you confident? Are you the righteous that are bold as lines? And if you look to yourself and say, you know, I really haven't been speaking as I ought to speak, and there's more that I can do, do it. And if you want help, if you need help, sometimes that's what we all need. That's what God expects us to do, that I need somebody to help me get over the hump and say the things that need to be said. Perfect chance tonight. Come forward. It's not shameful. It's an opportunity tonight to sit here and we'll pray to God together and He'll strengthen us. We'll surround you. If later we need a game plan, we'll game game plan. But if you need to be more bold, we'll help you with that. And if you need the gospel of Jesus Christ, we'll help you with that too. Come on now while we stand and we sing this last song.